are listening to the Andy Zanka Youth Empowerment Program on KDNK Community Radio. This is Brain Garden, a monthly collaboration between ASIAP and my organization, Cangel's Connection. The mission of Brain Garden is to start conversations on topics that our youth are experiencing. Conversations create a dialogue for healing and offer resources for other community members in need. These students are opening their hearts and stories to help facilitate conversations in our community. I'm your host, Janelle Hildebrand, and I'm the founder of Cangel's Connection, Inc., also referred to as the Cangel Connection Foundation. I started Cangel's Connection in 2019 after my son, Kane passed away from an accidental drug overdose on June 20th of 2018 at 24 years old. Cangel's Connection mission is to be the hub of connecting resources to the people in need. I felt alone as a parent of a struggling young man, and I didn't have the resources for myself or for Kane. My website is C-A-I-N-E dot C-A-I-N-E-G-E-L-C-O-N-N-E-C-T-I-O-N dot org. And I have a list of resources that is continuously growing. I became connected with ASYEP through KDNK. And if you're a teen listening and would like to share your story and offer some resources, please contact Janelle Hildebrand at J-E-N-X-T-R-E-M-E-S-K-I at gmail.com. Stay tuned for the next 30 minutes to listen to one of our upcoming conversations. Hello, and I would like to welcome you to our first guest here on the Brain Garden Show, Yaro. Hi, my name is Yaro. I'm a senior at Glenwood Springs High School currently. Tell me about um, pets and siblings and parents. Tell me a little bit about you. Um, I have a lot of pets, actually. Well, not a lot, but I have a lot of chickens. Um, I also have uh, a dog and a cat. My cat is named Sweetie, and she is the best thing on earth, period. (laughs) Um, I don't have any siblings, though, um, which is pretty nice. So you're an only child. Yeah. And you have parents. Do you live with a single parent or your parents together? Um, Yeah, I live with my mom. Uh, For a long time, I lived with both of them, but they got divorced. And um, tell me about how we got connected. So I applied for a scholarship, and um, you reached out to me because you liked what I had to say. I think that I think that's why you reached out to me. So, and that was really exciting for me. Absolutely. So, um, just to clarify, my foundation, Kangel Connection um, Incorporated, it offers scholarships to Glenwood Springs High School students. And Yaro is one of the students that applied, and we did award her with a scholarship. Yeah, which was super exciting. And actually, all the people who the all. The other people who got it um, that I know of are my friends as well, which is really exciting for all of us. That is so cool. Yeah. I see. I had no idea it was mm-hmm. your friends, but each one of you has such an important story to tell, and I just, I just was so honored to, to be able to offer that to you. And and actually thinking about all the people that dedicated their hardworking money to to go to the scholarship. I mean, it's just we're all connected. So yeah. that's just really special. Yeah. And so part of that scholarship comes with um, the requirement was that, you know, you had a story to tell. And yes. so I just thought you were so brave 
to open your heart and and open that personal space up to Kangel. But now here you are opening it up to to the brain garden. So um, we have this essay that I thought if you would be so kind to um, share that story. Sure. Yeah. Waking up on a cold concrete floor in an unheated garage in the middle of winter is an unpleasant experience in and of itself. That and the off-key rock music that my drunk father played with his drunk friends didn't go well with the headache caused by the potent smell of cannabis being grown in the next group. At eight years old, I watched several adult men scream cuss words while I nearly freezed half to death waiting for my dad to take me to bed. On their way out, they forgot about me. I slept in the garage that night after using a flip phone somebody had left to call my mom. She was asleep. She took sleeping medications to stabilize her infrequent sleep schedule caused by her schizoaffective disorder. My mom was bipolar and schizophrenic, and my dad was bipolar and drunk. So, with no responsible or even responsive adult to turn to that night, I made myself a bed out of a tarp in a guitar case. I had no adult to rely on, so I gave myself the most comfortable and safe experience I could, like I did so many nights as a young person. My parents' addictions, conjoined with their mental illnesses, made me feel alone as a child, something no child should experience. This taught me one very important lesson. Typical addictions form atypical childhoods. My father's addictions made me a child that was numbed to drugs, homelessness, and abuse. I watched my father spill boiling water on my mother's legs. When I pretended to smoke a twig, I found the next day, like it never happened. I listened to endless screaming, and through it all, school was my safe space. School taught me I could write things that got good grades. I conditioned myself to live for the high of an A rather than the high of a joint. Eventually, I got so good at being a student, I became a learner. By high school, grades were no longer an escape from my parents' addictions and mental illnesses. They were a byproduct of me enjoying learning. As I learned about Shakespeare and statistics, I also learned about my peers. I realized that not everybody has a mother with one of the rarest mental disorders in America, and not everyone's father was addicted. This gave purpose to my studies. I'm no longer studying for my own enjoyment alone. Now I'm pursuing an education because I realize my experience is unique. That uniqueness is key to helping the other students and children who had equally as unique childhoods and no one to turn to. Hopefully, my efforts will result in less children left on the freezing floor of their father's cannabis-growing garage. Thank you so much for sharing that and reading that essay. Um, Yaro, that is definitely why we wanted to have this conversation. So I'd love for you to kind of break that down a little bit. Obstacles that you're working through to overcome, kind of throw that on the table. How... You dove into school and your studies, but break that down a little bit for me to maybe give me the strengths that you have that helped you with overcoming those obstacles. Um, As far as obstacles that I faced um, with my parents and their disorders and addictions, um, I didn't struggle much as a child because I didn't even realize really what was going on. I thought that was like life. And so I was happy. Um, So the struggles really didn't come up until I became aware of my surroundings and my experiences. And a lot of that awareness came through, like, 
um, studying and writing and <clears throat> reading articles for those studies um, in like English class or a social studies class. And I learned that like, oh, when a kid isn't eating for a long time, that's a bad thing. And they're struggling and like, that's a societal phenomenon that people are working to fix. And I didn't realize that like my experience was a societal phenomenon that people were working to fix. Um, so for a really long time, it wasn't about perseverance. It was about just accepting life. Uh, but then when I did realize what was going on, uh, it became about being okay with being abnormal. Uh, there's a lot of pressure in society to be normal, obviously, and a lot of people are working to dismantle that. But even if nobody is saying you have to be normal, it feels like it. And so I would like, I would pressure my mom. When my mom was being weird in public, I'd be like, you have to be normal. Calm down. Stop it. Don't talk like that. Don't, don't be that way. Uh, but learning to accept that and grow from it and learn what the benefits of that were was really got, what got me through it. Wow, that's really powerful, really moving. And um, that's a strength, acceptance. So is there a certain challenge you're working on currently? I think I'm still learning on accepting it. Um, I think I'm learning to accept, like, the things about me that are weird because I've learned to accept, like, okay, my dad is the way he is. My mom is the way she is. I can't do anything about that. But there's still certain things about me that I'm like, I need to fix this. I need to go to the doctor. Something is wrong with me. Um, and that is definitely something that I still need to work on. And that might be lifelong. But I think acceptance, I think... What I see from you is you have accepted it. You're just working on what that looks like. So it's like you're painting the picture of acceptance. It's there. And to me, I look at it like, wow, you are really beyond what most young people, you got pushed into the situation, which we call, I call that an awakening. Once you realize like not all homes are like that. Oh, I'm not like other people don't have these lives. Mm -hmm. um, that's an awakening because it puts you in a very stressful situation, which then how you're handling that is how I would, I'm just honored. I'm, I'm really inspired by you. Thank you. Um, so tell me, what's your top three goals for the next five years? Hopefully I will have graduated um, with a four-year degree and maybe be moving on to my master's. Um, education is something that I think is really something that makes me happy. So I want to keep doing that forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, in five years, um, I want to write a book. We'll see if that gets done in that time. I hope so. Um, and I want to uh, volunteer as much as possible. I don't know if I have a specific goal for how much I volunteer, but I want to do a lot of it. <laughs> is there a certain volunteering that you're looking to do? I love volunteering with kids. I love children so much. I think that they're the best and they deserve the world and they're so sweet and they love to explore. They're very underrated by adults, I think. Yeah. So I have volunteered with kids before. Uh, I volunteered at, there was a summer program at CMC a couple of years ago before COVID, obviously, uh, with kids and it was like a dance and art program and I used to do dance and I still do art, so it was kind of perfect. I think that's awesome. And I think you will. I, I don't even think there's a thought about it other than I know that you'll pursue that. Yeah, I, I hope don't so. Know <laughs> um, so 
the other message that I want other people to hear is that you do have a voice and your voice is really important. And so what would you, what's the message to other youth as far as their voice? What's a, something that you would tell them or inspire them to do if they're going through anything difficult? Um, I think that it's kind of cliche, but like play into your uniqueness, like find what works for you in every situation. Like maybe um, showing up to school really early helps you. So do that. It doesn't matter if, you know, your friends don't do that. Find friends who do. Or um, maybe you don't like the sport that you've played your entire life. It's not serving you. So find something that does serve you. Just find the things that serve you in every single situation to make your life as easy as possible because there's going to be difficult things and you don't want like minor inconveniences to get in the way of that of of you dealing with those things right okay so Yara we're going to take a little break but I'd like you to um we're going to listen to one of your songs that helps inspire you so if you would just like speak on that song announce it and then tell your story as to why that song is meaningful So the song that I picked is Perfect Day by Hoku. Uh, It's the opening song to Legally Blonde, which is significant because uh, Elle Woods is major inspiration in my life because she, although she didn't have a lot of setbacks uh, financially or, you know, maybe societally, uh, she um, did have setbacks in the fact that people underestimated her. And then she became the valedictorian of her class at Harvard. Hello, like my inspiration. Of course, I want to do that with my life. Uh, I've definitely been underestimated in a lot of situations. And so it's inspiring to uh, think of this song and think of that montage where she gets ready and then uh, becomes valedictorian. So <laughs> I think that's great. So listeners, be inspired here by this song uh, that also inspires Yarrow, and it will be my new inspiration as well. So stay tuned to listen to more of our conversation.
Okay, so here we are back back at our conversation, Yarrow, and I'd like to ask you, was there a time that you felt like your voice was not heard? Yes. Interestingly enough, uh, with my capstone, which is a senior project, I felt like my voice wasn't heard, although I did present in front of the high school leadership team, which is all of the, like, um, you know, higher-ups in the high schools for the entire district. I presented in front of them my findings for my capstone. Um, and a lot of them sort of just heard it and said, that's cool that this girl cares about that, and then kind of moved on. There were a few people who reached out to me, but nobody really took my heavy research and advice uh, to heart, I feel like. So is there anything that you feel like you could do more to push towards that topic? Oh, yeah, I think we should mention um, my capstone is about the relationship between mental health and high achieving students. Specifically, I looked at um, the fact that my high school kind of associates bad grades with a struggling student when most students who I know that are struggling have really good grades. And that's the reason why they're struggling mentally. So the focus was the high achieving students, they associate with kids that are, quote unquote, normal. Yeah, exactly. And, the, and they're associating kids that are struggling in school with mental health issues. Is yeah, that... that's exactly it. And there are plenty of students who are struggling who have bad grades. Sure, like that's a thing that happens. Your grades slip when you can't handle school anymore. But I know for me and a lot of my friends and people that I've met and interviewed for my capstone, my grades are good whether or not I'm good because I want my grades to be good. And they didn't recognize that. A lot of times they won't know what's going on behind the scenes if you're functioning, you're high functioning, yeah. you're diving into school to help process those things that you're handling outside of school. So that is actually a false, um, that's a perception, right? It's a mm, false perception yeah. that kids that aren't doing well are mentally unstable. It could be a sign. I mean, that it could be an indicator that a child once was doing well and then their grades slip. It could be just a lack of interest. It could be that um, it could be a, a lot of other things, learning disability, whatever. So, yeah. But I do think that's a valid concern. So what do you think? Um, is there any other things that you're going to maybe write an article or you know, um, something else to motivate you a little bit to, to carry that? That's a great subject. I, I did have an article um, written about me and my capstone in the um, Glenwood Springs High School's um, Brimstone. That's our newspaper. Um, I hope to spread it as much as I can. Sometimes people who um, saw my presentation email me and ask me what they think. Um, a lady who I think runs the Gifted and Talented program reached out to me, which is awesome. I hope something comes of it um, because I give I gave like so much advice. I gave all the steps that my school would need to take, like step-by-step, step, baby steps, do what I said, and the problem will be helped. Maybe not fixed, but helped. Um, so I, I don't know what else I can do to reach out, though. Talking about it. Yeah, I guess so, right now. <laughs> I think conversations create solutions. So keep those conversations going. Yeah, I will. Okay, so break down the steps for me, Yaro, on what the school, what you had written to the school on your capstone? So um, I, the steps that I gave to them were we need to 
give intervention directly to the students. We need to help teachers help the students, and we need to help parents help the students. The reason why I identified these three groups is because students aren't reaching out for their own health, you know? So that's that's a major uh, factor in preventing them from getting help, obviously. Um, but parents are also a big part of that because parents put a lot of stress on students to be better at school. And so if students aren't good at school, then they think something's wrong with them and they can't reach out for that because their parents will shame them for that. And then teachers, uh, I kind of just wanted to make it easier for them to help students because I know that teachers are overworked, underpaid. It's very hard for them. They have a lot of students. So I wanted to give them resources to make it easy to identify students who needed their help. Um, so for interventions for students, I essentially said, let's um, make sure that the resources that we have, because we have a lot at our school, are uh, obvious to the students because I didn't know that we had therapists at our school. I didn't know that the Aspen Hope Center worked with our school. Um, a lot of our resources aren't, we don't know about them. So um, I told the school to push that. And then for teachers, I <laughs> took a very long time and I made a little like differentiation survey that teachers can give out to students at the beginning of the year or semester, uh, basically asking them, do you have support systems? How do you deal with your stress, et cetera? so they can know automatically who to reach out to instead of playing this guessing game of, well, that student comes to school every day, so they're probably okay, I think so. Um, that student never comes to school, so I don't think they're okay. Let's go reach out to them. Um, I just wanted to make it clear to teachers. And then for parents, I suggested that we have um, maybe at like back to school night or like uh, parent-teacher conferences, we have the Aspen Hope Center, have a booth out, or maybe any other resource, uh, mental health resource, to talk about, hey, is your student showing these signs? Stop uh, stressing them out, essentially. Um, so that, that covers, like, all of the close people in the students' lives to prevent them from breaking down. That's impressive. That is impressive. Thank I you. I would say... I just I'm I'm wowed at the amount of time and effort that you put into your capstone on a, on such an important subject, and um, resources. I think that's where I come in too. Is it they're out there? We just don't know about them. So that's where I was trying to be the hub to try to gather all the resources and organize them and and make them available to everyone. So. Um, I'd love to tap more into the school system, which now I'm connected through the scholarship program. Um, I'm very impressed by that. I think that you could help so many people, from students all the way through teachers, through education, and maybe even change the way we approach um, students going into classes, go, you know, the back-to-school nights. That's, that's phenomenal. Phenomenal. Thank you. That was kind of the goal. <laughs> I'd, I'd rate that as high as, like, um, going into a doctor's office and we ask about how you're doing. So that's, that's a big deal. That could be like a standardized tool. Okay, so now let's touch base on the Aspen Hope Center. Yeah, so the Aspen Hope Center works with, I believe, my entire school district, the Roaring Fork School District, but I know that they at least work with Glenwood Springs High School. They provide uh, mental health resources, including, like, therapists. I think we have two therapists in school, trained therapists, which is amazing, and they're free as well. Um, and uh, we also work with 
mountain family, and they have like a psychiatrist as well. So, so they have they provide services to the school. So we'll we'll definitely spotlight the Aspen Hope Center um, on on the Andazanka Youth Empowerment. We're going to spotlight it on Cangel Connection as well. We want to give um, that resource not only kudos but let the public know that these resources are out there for them. Um, and again, I want to thank you so much, Yarrow, for coming here, talking about a personal space, having a conversation here on Andy Zanka Youth Empowerment Program's Brain Garden. Let's inspire other students and keep paying it forward. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Listeners, if you liked what you heard today, tune in the fourth Wednesday of every month at 4 p.m. to listen to the Brain Garden on Andy Zanka Youth Empowerment Program. Have a lovely day.